Hello, everybody. My name is John Mark Day. I serve as the Director of Leadership and Campus Life at Oklahoma State University. I also get to be your host for the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. So we have been talking about leading through crisis. And for our third and final episode, we're going to talk about how you lead yourself. How do we show up as people who lead, not just as leaders? So to do that, we're really thankful for today's guest, Megan Penley Pickett. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Awesome. Uh, Megan Penley Pickett is the founder and head coach at Penley Pickett Coaching and Consulting. As a strengths-based life and career coach with 15 years as a student affairs professional, Megan specializes in coaching student affairs professionals through career transitions, leveling up in their current jobs, and creating new steps to the life they have been dreaming of. She's also navigating this whole new world of social distancing, homeschooling, and juggling life like never before in Littleton, Colorado, with her husband and two young sons. Uh, so, Megan, coming out of the student affairs world, tell us a little bit about your background and the work that you do now. Sure, absolutely. So I kind of grew up, if you will, in student affairs in uh, on the fraternity sorority side of the house. That was um, initially what I, why I had gone back to graduate school. I had wanted to do that work, um, to work with fraternities and sororities because it had been so transformative for me in mm. college. Gave me a connection, gave me a home at a kind of a middle-sized university. It kind of shrunk that down for me. And so really sought that out as a professional little bit later than some other folks might have. So I always think that that's an interesting part that it wasn't just undergrad to graduate school. I did some things in between and, and really decided to come back to the field um, and then really worked the majority of my career out here in Colorado in fraternity and sorority, moved into the student programs, student affairs, leadership, um, a bit of housing here and there. My husband actually worked in housing at another university, so I got some peripheral with that. Okay. Um, and and when, I, when I exited the, the field to do what I'm doing now, um, I left in a director role that had orientation and leadership programs and student programs, um, some diversity initiatives, as well as obviously fraternity and sorority. So had kind of gotten this larger portfolio. And the thing that I really loved about that work was connecting with people, the undergraduates and my graduate students. I had a lot of graduate students that were in my office um, mm -hmm. over that that 15 year period. And that was one of the things that really drove me into what I'm doing now was connecting with them and helping them figure out how to use their natural gifts and talents on what they want to do next. Um, and so then translating that to working with people who are currently in the field. Okay. Yeah, and tell us kind of about that work that you're engaged in right now. Yeah, absolutely. So when I left the field a couple of years ago, I say left the field, but I really still feel like I'm in the field. I'm not. I'm no longer campus based. For I sure. guess let's say that. Yeah. Um, and and that is a very different uh, animal right now. We recognize that for our friends that are out there, yourself included. Yeah. Um, and you know, really looking at when I left the field what was I seeing? What was I seeing in my colleagues? What was I seeing in myself and in my staff? And it was really coming from this idea of if it's a helping field, regardless if you're an administrator and not very student facing or you are front lines, resident assistant, resident director, and anywhere in between. And what was pushing people out of the field and how do we keep people in the field? Hmm. And so that's really what I was drawn to and, and the idea of recognizing that it 
there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but it is, it's a helping field. We come into it because we have this helping nature and we can help so much that we tend to go over and, and it's a tipping point. Mm. And then we get to the point where we're like, whoa, let's take a step back. What, this isn't what I want to be doing. Oh my gosh, I thought this is what I was going to want to be doing forever. What do I do now? And there's a whole narrative that, that student affairs folks have of like, if I don't do this, I have no idea what I'm going to do and, and I don't have any other skills. Um, and it's, it's just not the case. And so that's really what drew me back into working with the field is helping the helpers mm. <laughs> either figure out a way for it to be a sustainable field for them to, to, develop, to develop some of those boundaries and skills that will make them uh, feel that, that they are that they're in a better spot um, or to transition out if that's the right decision for them. Um, so that's really what what I do now in group-based activities, one-on-one -on -one coaching, speaking, training, those different types of things I'm able to do. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate your perspective and getting to chat with you today because, you know, for those of us who are in established jobs and are not in any sort of career transition, we're all in a big transition right now, figuring out right. How, right. How, we're, how we're living. And so your being here, I think, is going to give us such, such great insight. Um, so along those lines, you know, one of the things that I continue to really enjoy hearing from folks is, is what they're finding hope in, in this moment. So, so what's giving you hope right now? Yeah, I think, I think for me in my, in my personal life, what is giving me hope is I do, like I, like you said earlier, I do have little kids. I have a kindergartner and a second grader yeah. and the way that our K-12 system where I live has handled that. Our, our individual teachers and the way that they're reaching out and creating community and, and working with that, that's, that really has a personal effect on me. Yeah. Um, and it makes a big difference in the lives of my kids and, and my kids' friends. Um, so in my most immediate, you know, when you first wake up in the morning, that's giving me hope. Um, and I'm seeing that across the country in, in our K-12 system as well, um, in places that are able to do that, right, with some digital divide issues yeah. and, and things like that. But the but what that translates more to me is the care that people are showing, at least than I am seeing. I am sure that there are examples of that not happening, right? But what I am seeing is that overall people are caring about other people and we're needing to get creative in how we do that. We're needing to figure out how to get messages to people who either are elderly and maybe aren't that familiar with uh, technology, we're getting signs into places to say happy birthday, those drive-by birthday parades. Yeah. Um, you know, some celebrities and musicians really taking this time to kind of be quote unquote regular people mm -hmm. and doing some of, of what they're good at from their homes as well to keep up that normalcy and to also say, hey, we are literally all in this together. Mm -hmm. Let's figure it out, right? I, I watched a, a a clip of Stephen Colbert's show the other day where he was had to be on the phone with Daniel Radcliffe because they couldn't make the technology work. And I was like, well, if Stephen Colbert can't make it work, <laughs> you know, that, that it's okay for me too. And, and then lastly, really, it's seeing that creativity uh, from everywhere, especially in, in higher education, right, with my friends that are still in the field or groups that I'm a part of on social media and people coming up with different ways, maybe to bring back some, some old quote unquote programs, a pen pal program, you know, kind of your pen and paper or, or maybe using some technology, but really seeing where people's creativity comes into play because there's really no way that any point in time people can say, well, that didn't work before because right. we've never been here before. 
Um, and, and so th those are some of the things that are giving me hope. That's funny. You know, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, we, we, uh, a lot of our favorite excuses don't work at the moment where we can't say, mm -hmm. well, we tried that. It didn't work because no. you're right, everything is new now. And so yeah, uh, there's, there's some hopefulness in that. Well, so what is it though, as you are, you know, in this, um, in this sort of new arena that you're reading or watching or listening to right now that's outside of the traditional leadership canon that is still teaching you some things about leadership? Sure. Um, I, actually, one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to um, is the Dak Shepard podcast. It's called The Armchair Expert. Okay. He's, if, if you don't know who he is, he's, he's an actor on, on TV, married to Kristen Bell. <laughs> I think that's the most fascinating thing. Um, <laughs> but, but just to hear him, he sits down and he talks with his, with his celebrity friends and he talks with other experts and just, he's, he's a pretty kind of evolved individual, um, which I don't know that I fairly, you know, always associate with, with people in Hollywood or something. And so really listening to him has just been fascinating. And, and I've been doing that for a while, um, gives me lots of ideas and just ideas on the human condition. Hmm. Um, and then my husband just turned me onto the book, Deep Survival by Lawrence Gonzalez. Um, it's about, and, and I just started it, but it's really about how people survive when they're lost in the wilderness. So that's the deep survival oh, wow. piece. Um, but it's a lot of, uh, again, I'm just starting it, but it's a lot of people get lost and, and they, it's basically who lives and who dies is the tagline. Oh, so it's more uplifting than <laughs> what it sounds, but um, it, it's basically you know, when we get lost, when we lose our sense of self, when we panic and that panic overtakes our brain, that's when we get off track, literally in, in that scenario. And, and the people who take a step back and kind of feel what they're feeling and create that awareness are typically the ones who are going to get out of those scenarios. So it's, it's kind of an interesting parallel to somewhat of what's happening right now. Um, and then non-leadership, I watch a lot of Food Network because sometimes you just need a break. Um, oh, yes, yeah, I love the Food Network, you know, absolutely. I love yeah. the Food Network and I may not make any of those things, but it, it gives me hope and then I can fall asleep, so. That's, yep, yep, absolutely. Well, so let's, let's you know, it, it's interesting that, that that book is is something you're learning about because that's a lot of your work, right? You spend a lot mm -hmm. of time helping people understand their thoughts and how they frame their thoughts and what that leads to for them. So, so tell right. us about that process. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, and, and this, this, these were lessons that I have taken a long time to learn and to put into practice because we've all been to seminars, we've all been to conferences and, you know, different things that are happening. You're like, nope, totally makes sense. Lots of notes, go back to your office, an email comes in and all of those notes are done. Absolutely. So I, I have really taken a deep dive personally for myself over the last few years um, to figure out how this works. So then I can, I get where people are coming from when they're like, it's just lip service around, you know, some of these things. But what I truly believe and what I see happening with, with people in general is that our thoughts create our feelings and then that manifests itself in our behaviors. Hmm. And so we often want to change our behaviors first, right? Let's say we're taking, we're going to start a gym workout, right? We want to just start going to the gym or buy, uh, purchase a personal trainer or purchase sessions and that type of thing. We're getting at that. But really what that thought in the back of our head typically is going to be is, I can't do this. It's short-lived. It's never worked before, all of those things. And so then when we hit the same uh, kind of blocks that we typically hit on that typical cycle for us, 
we feel like we failed, we feel all of these things that then put us back into that place. I use that example because I think it's most salient for people where they can resonate with it. Yeah. We've all tried new <laughs> health kicks, right? Yeah. Um, and so but it comes back to really what our thoughts are. And that is really what we can control. And it takes a lot of work. It's not just like, oh, well, if I can control my thought, then, then everything is, is coming up roses. That is actually how it works. Hmm. So it's that simple, but it's not that easy for people. And so it's really getting in touch with what our thoughts actually are. Um, and for those of us, especially in student affairs, I think that we have been given so much information and we have done a lot of work on identity development and where we're at in life that we intellectually understand how thoughts play into that. And, and oh, you know, maybe I didn't mean to think that, but I thought we can talk ourselves out of what our actual thoughts, how they're creating the feelings in ourselves. And so I get this really great opportunity to work with people and talk to them about what their stories are. What are their stories around their experiences? Uh, not just what's the narrative, but what's that underlying current, right? I often will tell stories or I used to tell stories where um, it's maybe self-deprecating or it's um, in a deficit model, right? Well, I didn't have this experience, but I had this one and I had this one. It's, mm -hmm. it's the root of imposter syndrome for a lot of folks. Um, and so I have this opportunity to really help people dig into what their true thoughts are and see what feelings those are creating because those feelings then are dictating how we are acting. And so if maybe we're showing up Maybe not in this scenario, but but in in, in regular everyday life, you know, whenever that is, um, you know, for me, if I'm showing up and I'm really stressed out with my kids, and I'm like, what, why am I feeling so stressed out? Why am I acting really short and yelling? Oh, because I'm feeling stressed out. Oh, because I had this project I was going to do, or you know, something. And my thought is, there's not enough time in the day for me to get my projects done. When I can shift and reframe that thought to there's enough time in the day to get what I have deemed the priority done, mm. right? I have just shifted that from here's a thousand things on my to-do list and I'm being pulled in all these directions. I've now said, I'm going to prioritize these, which gives me the sense of relief, which may or may not result in my yelling at my kids or not. <laughs> like that, that's a different scenario, but, um, but it does, that is how that cycle kind of works back and forth okay. um, in and of those pieces. Yeah, so I mean, I, I totally see that connection and, and it makes complete sense. And I think one of the challenges for us right now is going through this experience, all of these are new experiences that we're having. They're new thoughts, they're new feelings. Uh, and so some of those, those coping mechanisms that we may have leaned on, we don't necessarily have access to right now. And so in this moment, what's the best way for people to start taking control of their thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. One kind of addendum to, to what you just said is what I am finding is that th these are new environments, these are new challenges. What I don't think is all that new actually are our thoughts um, and our and our feelings around it. What I what I think is happening, this is just my from working with people and talking with them, what I think is happening is things like imposter syndrome, things like fear around security of our jobs that we may have had when we were younger and we didn't think we would have at, at the level that, that we are now, it's coming back up. So it's coming up in a new way, 
they tend to actually be the same root thoughts that are there that we have coped through, which absolutely makes sense. Um, and so thinking about some of those coping mechanisms that have worked for us before, calling on some of them, but recognizing this is a whole new territory, right? Hmm. Um, that, it's, that it's a first time in this scenario. And so we're, we're thinking about it through that, um, if, if that makes sense. But, yeah. um, and, and so I think that some of the things you would ask, what are some things um, to best take control of our thoughts? Is that yeah. what you asked me? Yeah. Okay. And so I think that the first step for me in any process is really creating that awareness that, that something is happening that feels out of our control, that whatever it is, it's really kind of identifying what those triggers are. Um, I'm feeling a way that I don't want to be feeling. Hmm. I'm thinking things, I'm acting things in a way that I don't want to be feeling. Or on the flip side, I'm feeling really great today. I think that's more highlighted for people when they're like, wow, that moment didn't suck right then. <laughs> um, so what was happening for me, you know, in that moment. So, so starting to create that awareness um, about when things feel like they're going in the right way or feel like they're not, what's going on around you, right? It's kind of like a whodunit, who, what, when, where, and why. Um, are there individuals that are on a call with you that always trigger you if you're in a meeting? Mm. Um, is there is a boss sending you a message in the middle of the night? I'm telling every boss, like, don't do that. Even right. if it's fake. Um, <laughs> it freaks people out. It doesn't matter. It just freaks people out. But then why does it freak you out, right? So it's, it's starting that awareness process and identifying those triggers because then you can either choose to engage differently or not engage in what those triggers are. Mm. Um, but it's really creating that awareness around it. And as much as you can create the awareness, again, those of us who are pretty cerebral or intellectual about this want to really start shooting on ourselves. So S-H-O-U-L-D. Sure, um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> just so people know, you don't have to beat that part out. Um, <laughs> but we start, this is where we start telling ourselves, well, I should be feeling like this. I should be doing this. Um, and sometimes that awareness can trigger that shoulding. Mm. Um, and it's not meant to do that. It's just meant to say, okay, I understand what's happening here. Or I, maybe I don't understand what's happening here, but I understand that something is happening. Yeah. Let me say that. I understand something is happening, which means that I now have more control over it. Because when we name it, it starts to lose some of its power. Um, so it all for me starts with awareness um, and feeling the feels that you need to feel at that moment. If it's sad, if it's happy, if it's frustrated, it, fill in the blanks on the continuum. If you feel that, you can move through that. It's I shouldn't feel like this and I want to push it down. Well, the more rocks you put in a big glass of water, the more that water is going to spill out over the top of that glass. And so if you just feel it, okay, yeah. then it, it kind of opens up some more space for you, for you to make some more intentional decisions moving forward. Yeah, I think that's such a great point. And I, I remember very clearly as we were, you know, transitioning through moving students off campus and, and, you know, telecommuting and all of this, the first time that I was able to actually say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Like, I'm not doing okay right now. And one, how hard it was for me to admit that and get to that point. But two, what a what a watershed moment that was for me because it was like, okay, it's, it's okay to admit that. And it's okay to say that it was really hard to get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, that's, that is a great point around, 
especially those of us who have been in the field for a long time, there's, there's very few things that are going to feel like that at that level, right? Like I don't yeah. know how to, how to handle this or, or that I'm not okay with this. Um, and so I think even modeling that way, right, for, for our staff, for our friends, for our colleagues to be like, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And to feel that, it creates space for you. And it also unintentionally creates space for other people yeah. to be like, oh, great. It, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. It's okay know. to not be okay. And, and, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, it's one of those things that for, for me, you know, I say that to people all of the time. It's sure. such an easy thing to say. And then when I have to do it, say it to myself, it's completely different. I feel like. 100%, yes. Well, and so let's, let's get into that a little bit. You know, you have been a student affairs professional. Uh, how do you think folks in the field are navigating this differently? Or, or, or how do you think people are showing up given that, uh, given that experience? Yeah. From what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing people I'm talking to, um, I don't know that people are showing up differently. Um, I think that all of our natural tendencies, all the skills that we have built intentionally um, or emotions that we are feeling or thoughts that we were having, I think that they're all really highlighted. Um, I wanna use the word exacerbated, but that makes it sound <laughs> like it's, like it's ne- and I don't want it to be negative right. because I think that the people who, there are people, right, who were maybe at one point thinking about, is this the right field for me? Is this not? I think this is solidifying some of that for them. Is like, nope, my institution is showing up in a supportive way, and I'm going to, I'm going to, now I get it, and I'm, I'm going to stick in with it, right, because it's now hitting my values in the right way, and I think it's having an opposite effect for, for some people. So I think that, again, everything that, for the most part, that people were thinking, feeling, and how they were behaving is just heightened right now. So our helpers, they're stressed out and strung out because they want to help everybody, including maybe if they have kids at home or they have ailing family and friends that maybe they can't get to or have been primary care. To, I mean, everybody's got different life experiences that they're bringing into this. But now that our life literally exists in this box on the screen, right. um, they, it, it is all coming together. And so... I think that people are showing up, um, and again, maybe if they were if they were shyer people or people who weren't always at the forefront, maybe preferred to be in the background. Their kind of quiet calmness is also coming through, and people are looking to them um, for for that for that ear. For you know, I'm thinking about on on the staff side, but really also I think for our students is that people are showing up, and and that really is. For the professionals in the field, that's their primary concern, and and their advocacy is also being highlighted um, on behalf of of the students, making sure that it's that it's the right move for that institution or for a certain population of students and, and that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I you know I reflect on some things that that my institution has done that are really. I feel like they've made some really difficult decisions that are the right decisions that are really in line with our values uh, and the way that we're treating our students and we're treating people. And, and, you know, it makes me very proud to be associated right. with this, with this institution. And, and it is, uh, and, and, and those are things you would have never seen if this hadn't come up. Right. And so Correct. some of us do get to be at places where, where uh, we get to be re-energized for right. our, our place and our institution. And because of this and, and other folks don't, um, you know, are, are probably having the opposite experience, which yeah. is, is adding to some of their challenges. Sure, absolutely. 
Well, you know, another thing that, that we're all getting to sort of understand right now is a reevaluation about boundaries. And, and you, ta- <laughs> you talked about, you know, telling people who are supervisors not to be sending emails in the middle of the night. And, and, and especially for those of us who maybe didn't come out of housing, you know, working where you live is a brand new experience for, for a lot of us. So how do you help folks navigate boundaries during this time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there's a lot of practical things. Um, But I think that the first thing to be really clear about is when we are setting boundaries for ourselves, because again, at the end of the day, we can only control ourselves, Mm. our reactions, our emotions, our 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 actions and reactions. Um, So when we're thinking about that, start with the self, right? And, And get really clear and make those boundaries about you. Um, not about someone else, right? Even if it is in reaction to a boss saying in the middle of the night, you know, sending text messages and things like that, how do we reframe that, right? Back to those I statements that we all spent so much time in grad school working on, Um, but all of the I statements on, I need, I feel, you know, X, Y, and Z. I can give X, Y, and Z, but right, you're making it about yourself and not about so-and-so in the office who doesn't have kids and so they don't understand. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Again, awareness, feel the feels, but when we're creating boundaries, figure that out for yourself and make it about you and be really clear about why that is important to you. Even if the only person you're truly articulating that is to yourself, but you really know that between the hours of for me, right, like the hours between 7.30 and 9.30 in the morning where I am, I, I cannot do anything. I choose not to do anything else during that time because that's when my kids need me for right. the, the schooling or whatever whatever we're doing. The rest of the time, they can, you know, melt their brains on, on TV, which is what <laughs> we're doing. But, but, but I have made that choice and I have made that clear to the people that I work with. But that's this is what I need to make this work. And so get really clear on what those boundaries are. And then you have to, so you have to create them, you have to articulate them, and then you have to keep them. Mm. Because when we create those boundaries and we start at the beginning and we're feeling a little unsure because it's our first time, not checking email at nine o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock at night, um, whatever that might be, it feels really weird. So I'll just check this one email or I'll just schedule this one phone call for this it gets a little tricky. Now you, you have to make the best decision for you. Um, but I think in this situation, bringing it back to the best decision for you um, is going to, again, that's your thoughts that you are important hmm. and that you feel valued, right? And then your actions are, okay, I can then fully show up at 9.30 or you know whatever your time boundaries are. I also think lastly on the boundaries piece, that boundaries are not just these time-specific pieces. It is uh, what you are uh, taking in. So if it's news or social media, if it's when you are checking email, maybe people don't know you're checking email at, at 10 o'clock at night. But if, because people have said, you don't need to do that. And you're like, nope, I totally know. Click, 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 <laughs> right. We're going to on it. Um, but then you're inviting maybe some of those stressful thoughts before you're going to bed. Um, and so really being clear about that, having boundaries around what you're, you're intaking and, and what you're doing. And then also the people. Um, I, I think that that's a big one right now. And when when we're back around people, really thinking about the boundaries around people are what value are they bringing to your life? What value are you bringing to theirs? Um, but there are some toxic people that are out there. They were there before all of this happened. And they will be there afterward. 
Um, and so it can be a really great place for us to have some of those conversations about, oh, challenges at work or, or things like that. But when that then becomes this kind of spiral around that and you're feeling some tension, you can create the boundaries around, around people as well, friends, family, coworkers. Um, so really, but keeping yourself at the center of that and being really clear about why, why that's important to you and letting go of why that feels selfish, um, I think makes a big difference for, for people. So it sounds like all of this comes from, needs to stem from a, a, a pretty high degree of self-awareness that uh, some people have, I think, worked really hard to cultivate and others haven't maybe. So yes. yeah. uh, w- what advice would you give for folks to, to learn that about themselves, about who they are and, and what they need? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really great point because yeah, I think I think especially in our field or in any helping field, um, we understand self awareness quite a bit. But we've all come across those people who are like, I'm really self aware, and you look around the room and you're like, Do they think they're talking about themselves? Because they are the least self aware, <laughs> right? right? Yes. Um, and so for people who are interested in that, because I do believe that that is the the basis of the foundation for. Um, for making intentional choices in life is take a step back and and see what's happening. Write the the story of your life. Um, Say it out loud, write it down, share it with a a trusted person um, and and see how that sounds, right? If if we're talking a lot about being at the effect of things that have happened in our life, um, that typically means that we are not all that self-aware, which means that we don't understand maybe the role we played in that situation. Mm, This is not a victim blaming scenario. This isn't to say it was your fault. And it's always, it's typically not always someone else's fault either Mm. um, when we start writing that story. So again, creating that awareness, sometimes starting with what behaviors do we want to have? What behaviors do we want to be doing, right? I want to be more calm with my kindergartner when he's working on technology, right? So what's the feeling that I need to have, right? I need, or maybe it's that I don't want to yell <laughs> when mm. we're working on that. Mm-hmm. The feeling attached to that, if we're working backwards in the model, is a feeling of, of calm, of peace. And the thought is, we will do this the best that we can. We will get through this that type of thing, right? And so you can start at any point on it. Sometimes starting with thoughts is, is challenging for people, mm-hmm. but when feelings are coming up around scenarios or people that you really enjoy or you really don't enjoy what's going on for you, how can you create more of that? How can you create less of that? Yeah, are there some specific questions that are helpful for us to be asking ourselves right now? Yeah, I think, um, I think a a lot of times what's happening right now is we're losing a lot of context in what's Mm. happening um, either on campus or or what we would uh, vision on campus to be in in leadership roles or um, in different meetings that we're having. And so we're losing some of that context um, by sheer just only interacting on a certain meeting or on the phone or that type of thing. Yeah. And so really, uh, so what do people oftentimes do is start writing narratives and, and creating stories around an interaction um, with others that may or may not be true. Yeah. And so first and foremost, I think kind of coming at that, um, and you can frame this in a question, right? But we're making the assumption that people are doing the best that they can. And for my overachievers out there, I know that the best that other people do is clearly not at the level that, that, that they can do. And, and I get that. Um, and so then asking ourselves, like, do I believe that this person is doing the best that they can? Um, if the answer is yes, 
then we move through that. If the answer is no, right, we can dig into that. Maybe we're in a, in a, in a collegial position or in, we're always asking questions of them. Let's not make those, those assumptions. Um, I also think that asking ourselves things like, um, if, we're, if we're thinking about it in, in the self-awareness piece is, I've written this whole narrative and then you can ask yourself like, how true is that? Right, mm-hmm. sort of that gut check on how how true is that, and and then we work through all of the well, this happened before, and this ha- absolutely okay. Again, takes you back to that feeling, the feels, and 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 getting there. Um, and then the last question that and I have one other piece, but on the self awareness, um, one of my favorite questions, and the way you can do it without a snarky tone, or if you can do it without a snarky tone, is to ask yourself what's the worst that can happen, mm-hmm. right? If we're thinking about, um, and not in a, we don't know what's happening right now, right, with COVID-19. And so um, I'm not dismissing that at all. I'm thinking about when we are managing these multiple priorities that are all in our home now, um, regardless of what they are. Maybe I didn't get to a project. Maybe we didn't get an assignment turned in on time for the second grader. Maybe, what's the worst that can happen? Well. Maybe something catastrophic can happen. That, that's very possible. It's very unlikely that that's true, right? I'll just tell my boss that I this, that, and the other happened. Great, you know? So we're, we're right-sizing some of that as mm. well. Mm. Um, so I think when we're thinking about that, um, and the last piece that I would add outside of the self-awareness piece is that one question that I am continuing to ask um, is, how, how do I want to be in the world personally, professionally, as a parent, as a partner, as, as anything that falls into that? How do I want to be at the, at the end of this, right? Mm-hmm. When, when life resumes, um, I don't even want to use the word normally because I don't right. know what that will look like, right. but when life resumes, how do I want to be and how can I start creating those new habits, those new oh. thoughts? Um, right now in in little tiny ways um so that's that's a driving force that that i ask myself right now too well and that's such a hopeful framing too i mean looking at this as an opportunity to to reset uh, an opportunity to pursue some some growth and not in a obligation side of type of way you know we're not looking to sort of add something to people or make them feel like you know, you have to come out of this as perfect person, right. uh, but saying, hey, this is, a, this is a unique chance for us to really right. think through um, some opportunities here. Right, right, absolutely. That's really, absolutely. that's really encouraging, really. And, and it's always helpful to, to think about another side too, right? There, yeah. We will come yeah. out of this in some sense and, and um, yeah. we, we will get to redefine that. So, so as you're thinking about all of that, you know, this has been so helpful to get to think about how we show up as, as individuals, how we right-size our experiences and take control of our thoughts. What's the next question about leadership that you were thinking about right now? Yeah, um, I think specifically in, in student affairs um, and in general, I really think one of the things that people were really struggling with and, and probably still are, <laughs> but we're really struggling with, you know, previous to, to the pandemic happening is what does work-life balance mean? And I know that's a big conversation in, in higher education. It is in other fields as well. Um, and, and really thinking about what does that mean for us? And I'm really curious about what does that mean for leadership, specifically when it comes to higher education student affairs, because that's 
my, my world and, and my people um, on, on what would that look like? To your point earlier, when we're thinking about kind of all of our old excuses don't work anymore, I don't think it's a secret that that education P, P20 um, has been slow to adapt yep. to a lot of different things um, over time, for whatever reason, right? And in this scenario, we turned on a dime. Some right. people may be on a quarter, right. but you know, really, uh, really, we turned on a dime, and I think we're seeing that across across the, the country, probably across the world as well. Um, and so those ideas of, well, we can't have this work from home balance, not the scenario we're, we're going through right now, but the actual work from home, or what does that balance mean? Or what is remote working? Um, how do we offer that to people? That's really my question is, is how will the field change to be more sustainable for our staff so we can keep staff and, and um, faculty members and staff members and live-in folks, whoever that might be, who have really created and, and crafted all of these phenomenal skills, how do they not get pushed out? How do we create a, a sustainable field where they feel valued, where they know that their work matters, and they can also balance the different priorities that are now coming into stark contrast, um, again, because of it literally needing to fit within a Zoom window. Right. Um, and so how, how will we navigate that? What, what will come out of it? Um, I don't know. I am hopeful that, that, our, that our leadership will see all of the things that have been done. Um, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Some mistakes have been made. Um, we, I think leadership as well as institutions have been able to pivot when they were like, you know what? We thought that was gonna be the right decision. It worked for a minute. It's not working now. How do we do this moving forward in, in kind of this prolonged time? Um, and so the lessons that we learned from that, and I, I do believe that one of the lessons that we'll learn is on that work-life balance mm. is, um, and, and really kind of that leading from the middle that our, our middle leadership folks can, can be that advocate um, to our upper leadership and, and be the modeling of the way for our younger generation, our graduate students, our entry-level professionals, um, that, that there's a different way for, for the field to look and still have this really high level of service, having student focus um, at the center of that. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, we get to think a lot about innovation and what it means to, to lead in, in an innovative manner. And, and I'm hopeful as well that folks at all levels of the institution now are going to have an opportunity to uh, shape what the institution looks like going forward. I think that could be really great. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being with us today. What a hopeful and exciting thing to get to talk about bringing this experience for folks. So it's been so great having you on today. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And for everybody who's out there, keep on doing all of the amazing things that you're doing because it's, it's, that is hopeful to, to see all of that. It's really inspiring. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And, and thanks for everybody for, for joining us today for the NASPA Leadership Podcast presented by the NASPA Student Leadership Program's Knowledge Community. You can get more information about the Knowledge Community on our social media outlets. We're on Twitter at NASPA SLPKC and on Instagram at NASPA underscore SLPKC. And you can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at John Mark Day. And we have dropped info about Megan's work and website in the podcast description. You can also join the Facebook group she runs, which is the Student Affairs Community. And if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, if you have suggestions for topics we should be talking about or people we should be talking to, we want to hear from you. You can send us an email at naspaleaderpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us today.